Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. I know there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections, from our economy to the safety of our streets, but there's something else at stake. Democracy itself. The divider in chief. Mega, MAGA Republican officials who don't believe in the rule of law. That's ridiculous. This is not civil discourse. This is very dangerous. What comes next? Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a political trivia Thursday. We'll play in a little bit. Marriage and politics is your category. And uh, good good question, fun question. Uh, Benny got it pretty quick. He got it with just one hint, so uh, there you go. I put that in. Well, Benny's a pretty smart guy, so maybe. But I, but I overthink things a lot. You do. You do, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he got this one. We'll, we'll plan a little bit. Carolina Journal is reporting polls have consistently showed Republican Ted Budd and Democrat Cherry Beasley in a dead heat for North Carolina's open U.S. Senate seat. But as undecided voters have begun solidifying their choices, it seems they're breaking heavily toward Budd. The latest poll of the race by The Hill in uh, collaboration with the Emerson College polling shows Bud achieving two new milestones, breaking the 50% mark and leading outside the margin of error. Earlier, an East Carolina poll had Bud up six points. It looks like uh, they might have been on target. Uh, This new poll has Bud up by five percentage points. Uh, He is now up uh, 50% over Beasley's 45 When undecided leaners are added in, each candidate gains one point, leaving Bud with 51%, Beasley with 46%. So uh, there are three other polls preceding uh, the current poll with Bud having a four-point lead. So it's uh, it's falling into place. It seems to be a pattern that is uh, very, very positive for the uh, Bud campaign. And it's the first time that the average of all the polls are – is greater than the margin of error for the average. I mean, because you've got some Democrat, I think some of the Democrat-funded polls, you've got some that are basically even, which are pretty substantial outliers from all the independent ones. So looks pretty solid going into the last few days. Yeah, more more positive news. Uh, Israel Prime Minister Yair Lapid has conceded the election, recognizing the former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu as his successor. Lapid's office confirmed that to Fox News. According to a statement from his office, Lapid has already called Netanyahu to congratulate him. Lapid told Netanyahu that he instructed his office to make arrangements for the transition of power. The state of Israel comes before any political consideration, Lapid said. I wish Netanyahu success for the sake of the people of Israel and the state of Israel. So yet another more conservative uh, individual being elected to office. Uh, wonder if you mean I know it has nothing to do with our elections coming up, or does it? You know, that, you know, there's some. There does seem to be a pattern. You see what happened in Great Britain, uh, although our, the prime minister over there only lasted uh, what six weeks. Uh, she, yeah, I mean, she made promises she couldn't fulfill, and so she bowed out. Look what happened in Italy. Uh, and now Netanyahu is uh, reelected. Um, 
what what is happening down in Brazil is quite worrisome. Uh, it appears to me, and I haven't done any great studies, but when you have literally millions of people protesting in the streets in Brazil over a socialist being elected over a uh, very conservative individual in Brazil, it, it, it makes you wonder what's going on down there. I actually have a friend that's from Brazil, and uh, most most of his family lives here now, but he still has family. In fact, he may be there right now, I think, or maybe it's next week. But I was talking to him about it last week, and he just, you know, he he knows obviously a whole lot more about it than we do. He just said he he said there was absolutely no way that that socialist would win um, based on everyone everyone he talks to and and of course there's some there's some suspicions about uh, some of the same suspicions we had in the yeah. 2020 election yeah. here. So well, I mean, right now, if if next week the Democrats prevail and win election after election, what is the response going to be? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and <laughs> last night. Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, gave a primetime speech, and one really has to wonder, what was his bottom line? What did he want to get across? What was he trying to communicate? Clearly, it wasn't, hey, look at us Democrats, look at a great job we've done, and this is why you need to go out and elect us. Uh, He used the moment to try to tell people they should vote for Democrats because of the threat to democracy that democracy was on the ballot. So if you thought the top issue was inflation or crime or education or even abortion, uh, no. According to Biden, uh, it was about the threat to democracy. Biden attacked questioning the 2020 election and claimed there were more than 300 election deniers running. (laughs) You know, if I was running, I'd be in that 300. But then in the same speech, he cast doubt on the coming election himself, claiming that the extreme MAGA Republicans were trying to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. Uh, this is uh, Joe and uh, talking about the election deniers. Cut two. Is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020 to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Instead of waiting until an election is over, they're starting well before it. They're starting now. They've emboldened violence and intimidation of voters and election officials. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America. Uh, it's interesting. Charlie Hurt has a uh, op-ed out today, came out today, and uh, Charlie's been on our program before, great writer and uh, funny guy. But, uh, you know, the, the, the crux, I'm not going to read the it, it verbatim, but, you know, the crux of his uh, article, his op-ed out today is these people are just absolute liars. Yeah. They are just absolute <clears throat> liars. In other words, they've said, you know what, we're going to, it doesn't matter what we're, what, any of the issues actually are we really can't talk about the economy because we're the ones that created this crappy economy so let's talk about abortion and charlie says well you know it's it's okay uh, you know you don't buy abortions when you go fill up your gas tank with four dollar gas 
You don't uh, pay $300 uh, worth of abortions at the grocery store. Uh, no, abortions is not out in front. And again, poll after poll after poll, uh, on a percentage basis, it doesn't come anywhere close to being the top issue that people are concerned about. So what do these Democrats do? Let's make stuff up. Let's go ahead and say that the Republicans are all about violence mm. at the polling place. Let's go ahead and make up that Republicans want to cut your Social Security. Let's go ahead and make up a, a total fabricated lie, which Joe did yesterday, saying, hey, I gave you a 10% increase on your Social Security. Come pat me on the back. I mean, the irony of that is, in a sense, he is correct. Now, you got the increase if you're on Social Security because of a law passed back when Nixon was president. But the, there is a little bit of truth there because of Joe's terrible policies. We have inflation at 10%. Therefore, Joe gave you a 10% raise. You know, I made a, I made a social – sometimes I cannot help myself, but I made a social media post last night. Uh, listening to that uh, this is the most divisive most dishonest administration that that in my lifetime i I don't know in the world history of the world outside of banana republics or third world countries or whatever but i just can't believe i mean he started out the beginning of his speech tying the uh, pelosi attack in san francisco the hammer guy to the january 6th and then just went on to talk about Republicans and election oh, yeah. deniers and threat to democracy. When, as we discussed yesterday, just this week, Hillary Clinton, I think we discussed it yeah, anyway, yeah, Hillary yeah. Clinton talked about, she's already talking about, well, the 2024 election is going to be stolen. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, it's not just this administration, it's the whole Democrat Party. Oh, it's the entire party. But they again, they have nothing to run on. Yeah. I mean, the three or four hot button issues right now, I mean, they have fumbled objectively you could argue it's their fault so what are they going to do they're going to talk about uh lower cost uh lower cost at the grocery store lower cost cost at the gas station uh what are, what are they going to run on good question they really they are have just, nothing they have nothing no it's oh so after he said that he then claimed it might take days to count the votes and you know what that that's going to leave people with a lot of question marks cut three more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. We know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases we won't know the winner of the election for a few days until a few days after the election. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. It's always been important for citizens in democracy to be informed and engaged. Now it's important for citizens to be patient as well. That's how it's supposed to work. No, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) Taking days isn't the way things are supposed to work. It's never been that way. They use COVID as an excuse, you know, saying people, you know, cannot, quote, safely vote. And and to his point about – you know, making sure that they're secure and valid and all that. Every time a Republican proposes to make sure a mail-in ballot is is an actual authentic ballot, they're against it. Yeah, that's disenfranchisement. How dare you do that? I mean, they want to be able to count the votes. They want to know how many votes they needed, and 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 they want a few days to to see how many votes they need. Isn't it interesting that back when we just had paper ballots— 
if you had to wait 24 hours to find out election results, it was only because it was a razor thin margin of difference. And they literally had to count every paper ballot to figure out, okay, who actually did win. <laughs> but for the most part, I mean, pre-computers, you you knew late that night. Now, I mean, there are a lot of nights you, you'd be up to 2 a.m. waiting to see the results come in. But uh, the idea that you've got to wait days, uh, you talk about a banana republic, I mean, it basically is, hey, you know what, please be patient with us. Because it's going to take us several days to figure out how many ballots we have got to find in the back of somebody's trunk and bring them in and say, oh, oh, look at this. Well, you can't not count these ballots. That would be disenfranchisement. Well, you have got to wait and be patient until we can figure out exactly how to steal this election. I I, I don't care what anybody says. If it's not an issue of someone you know serving abroad in the military or someone having a, a health care issue if it's not in by the day of the voting yeah postmark at, at a minimum postmark that date then they, then they shouldn't count it i mean i think it ought to be actually in their hands physically the day the day if you're gonna mail it in but well the uh, other thing too is um Give us a good excuse. The idea that you can have an absentee ballot because you don't feel like getting up that morning and go voting is not an excuse. I mean, you've got to be out of the country. If it's a legitimate out, you know, vacation that you have planned ahead of time, okay, I'll even give you that. But the idea that for any reason you can go get an absentee ballot, that's that's not how it works. Well, the reason it's like that is – and we've had um, – I forget the gentleman's name uh, – with the organization that talks about – Voter integrity, voter integrity project, or whatever, but uh, but a prime example. I think that's the name of it, voter integrity project. A prime example is, you know, because I'm unaffiliated, don't have a party, not registered with a party, I get an awful lot of uh, for for me to request a mail-in ballot from all, from the Republicans, Democrats, all of them. I mean, I'll get a bunch of them. Hmm. But think think about it's well documented how messed up the voter rolls all over the country are north carolina is no different and people that i actually know work for the postal service have seen 15 and 16 applications for uh absentee ballots in mailboxes from previous residences well if those voter rolls are that bad think about how easy okay here's 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 a thousand names that hadn't voted for the last two or three elections but they're still sitting out there let's quote send them a mail-in ballot well you know where it gets sent it gets sent to a warehouse where you got a bunch of democrats filling them out yep that's what happens bingo you know it's interesting because you would think this speech ought to be given in such a way that it would instill confidence in the upcoming election, that we can have confidence. You know what? Any law-abiding citizen that listened to that speech last night comes away with the idea of, wait a minute, wait a minute, is this a preemptive strike against me if I question what I appear, what appears to be improprieties? And and that's that's using a diplomatic term, uh, you know, or out and out cheating and the stealing of an election. I mean, it, it did nothing to in, give confidence to the voters, law-abiding citizens of the United States. I mean, he just he just made every every law-abiding citizen think, "Oh boy, here well, we are. He, now, how are they going to steal this one?" What he what he is really saying, which he obviously can't say, 
you know what? This election, I think the Republicans are on some of the stuff that we were doing in 2020, and it's not going to be as easy for us to cheat. That's what he's really. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. what he really knows inside. Yeah. But that's not what he's saying. Uh, but when when he won the presidency last time, all you heard that next two weeks was the most safest, secure election of all time. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. So he went on to say, basically, uh, again that he. You know, he closes his speech out at, at trying to make himself the great uniter. Hey, can't we all just get along? Cut one, Clark. There's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown that overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy at ri- is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. They, too, see that democracy is on the ballot this year, and they're deeply concerned about it. So today... I appeal to all Americans, regardless of party, to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote, knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, but institutions that have held us together as we sought a more perfect union are also at stake. We must vote knowing who we have been, what we're at risk of becoming. Look, my fellow Americans, the old expression, freedom is not free. It requires constant vigilance. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear, this is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America, America. It's about the durability of our democracy. For democracies are more than a form of government. They're a way of being, a way of seeing the world, a way that defines who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do. We must, in this moment, dig deep within ourselves and recognize that we can't take democracy for granted any longer. We must remember that democracy is a covenant. We need to start looking out for each other again, seeing ourselves as we the people, not as entrenched enemies. This is a choice we can make. Disunion and chaos are not inevitable. There's been anger before in America. There's been division before in America. But we've never given up on the American experiment. We can't do that now. First of all, let me note that Joe used the word democracy a dozen times. (laughs) He not once called the United States by what it is, a democratic constitutional republic. Not once. And listen, that is not just because, well, democracy is easier to say. No, if you want to just use one word, call it a republic. (laughs) But the idea that he called it a democracy over and over again fits the narrative of progressives. They want to do away with the Electoral College. They want mob rule. They would would love it if it was a a popular vote for every office. In fact, I I mentioned last week, I think one day when you were out, there was an article out where – you know, somebody was saying, uh, you know, let's look at the popular vote of the in the state of North Carolina for all these congressional candidates. And the inference was, OK, is that how we're going to do it now? Are we or we, do you, you progressives will just have the, the, the total vote and whoever has the most votes for Congress, they get to select all the people that will go up and, and serve in the House for the state of North Carolina. And again, that was that was their inference. But not once did he call the United States by its proper term. A democratic constitutional republic. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing because last night as I'm watching this, one, one of my sons comes in the house, and as he's going upstairs, he's glancing back 
looking at the TV and says, how many times is he going to say democracy? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> he said it like a, I mean, a dozen times. Well, he said it a dozen times in that clip. I mean, yeah. he probably said it a hundred times last night. So Biden cites polls saying that overwhelming number of Americans believe our democracy is at risk. And again, we are a democratic constitutional republic. That being said, count me among the number that overall say our government has functioned for the past 200 years one way. And yes, I am concerned that it, the way it has functioned for the past 200 years is at risk. Count me in that, that majority. And it's not because of MAGA. I look at MAGA and I say, please hold this rogue progressive administration please hold them in in check because uh, thank goodness we have got these quote extremists that are are out there saying wait a minute uh, uh, joe biden you are not allowed to do these things that are unconstitutional i mean the, the very idea he talks about we're losing our democracy oh you mean like uh the forgiveness on the student loan debt yeah. where you've gone around Congress that holds the purse strings and you've just basically said, oh, we're just going to forgive it all. Yeah. Speaking of the rule of law, that, you know, yeah. you've gone around Congress. Yeah. He goes on to say, we <clears throat> must vote knowing um, what we have been and, and what we risk becoming. We have, you know, we must vote knowing what we have been and what we risk becoming. You know, this is the same of kind of meaningless word salad that Obama and Kamala Harris love to use. I mean, the hope and change rhetoric, things that the progressives say. Now, when, when Kamala Harris talks, and we have no idea what she means, but, you know, this this double meaning where you, you throw these things out and, and Obama, when he says hope and change, he wants you to think one thing while he means something entirely different. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly, based upon what Obama did for eight years and what Biden has done for the last two years, they are not interested in preserving our democratic constitutional republic. He can't even bring himself to mention it by name. So this idea of, you know, we, we might risk um, what we have had and what we're becoming, I mean, that, that, is just, that is just gobbledygook crap that you, you hear from progressives. <laughs> you know, do you uh, – now, you've been following this a long time, long, even longer than I have – have you at any race of any kind from the white house to the courthouse have you ever seen a party and a and a elected leader and candidate presuming candidate for next election not only demonize their opponent but demonize the people that voted oh, yeah. for oh yeah no i, I have I've never not. seen no, this no. i mean it, yeah people you know throw darts at their not opponents. for the presidency i've never yeah, seen it but they throw darts at their opponents all the time but not the people that voted for him right. from hillary clinton call him you know trump's basket of deplorable yeah. deplorables and he keeps saying mega mega republicans well hell half the america voted for him oh yeah oh yeah i mean good grief right. he goes on to say democracies are more than a form of government it's a way of being it's a way of seeing the world a way of defining who we are what we believe why we do what we do if that is not a load of Marxist crap, I don't know what is. I mean, that is. It's just double well, talk for Marxism. They're demo Marxists. That's what they are now. And uh, listen, he, he comes out and says, don't see ourselves as entrenched enemies. Joe, it's a little late for that. <laughs> for the last two years, you have done everything you can possibly do to alienate 50% of America. You have done everything to vilify MAGA Republicans, Republicans in general, you have gone out of your way to, to 
devilify and uh, and accuse and lie about. I mean, right now, in the same speech, you lied about Social Security, and then you turn around and say, let's not be enemies. Let's just all get along. It is unbelievable. Joe, you are causing the division, and you, and you get up there on your high horse and act as if, oh, I'm above it all. I'm above the fray. I am the great uniter. No, Joe, you're not. Keep them divided and stupid, and that's what they're trying to do. Well, unfortunately, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of division, and unfortunately, there's a lot of stupidity. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Riding shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Today is National Sandwich Day. I've never, I haven't met a sandwich yet that I don't like. <laughs> um, it is November the 3rd, and uh, taking a look at your weather forecast, tonight clear skies, a low of 56. Tomorrow, sunny skies in the afternoon, a high of 78. Mostly clear tomorrow night, a low of 60, and a great-looking weekend, mostly sunny on Saturday with a high of 81. Partly cloudy on Sunday with a high of 81. So get out and enjoy um, an extra couple of days of summer this weekend. Uh, Summer weather means uh, good golf. Fall weather means great golf. Whether you're looking to spend your fall courtside or greenside, Ironwood Golf and Country Club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required. (laughs) Headed to the beach? Pack your clubs. Ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort and Compass Point Golf Club and Magnolia Greens located near Wilmington. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Join in the fun at Ironwood today, a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. (laughs) Clark and his graphics. I'll tell you what, if you're watching on Cable 7, uh, you can hear about golf and watch the golf club coming at your face. The the radio audience missed some good stuff from Uh, time to time. They do, they do. Really curious thing that uh, you might have seen in the news this week, and uh, you'd really need to go digging for it if you're watching Joe online. I I don't know if you could see it last night during the speech, but on Tuesday's speech when he was down in Florida, uh, there are a lot of uh, stories out over the today and yesterday concerning uh, some strange marks on Joe Biden's hand not the palm of his hand but the top of his hand and noticeable are what looks like iv marks right on top of a vein i mean some of these publications have gone in and blown up these pictures and pretty clear uh i mean either he smashed himself with a hammer or and nothing to do with uh, paul pelosi or um he's got iv marks yeah, the picture I sent you this morning, um, I mean, that wasn't doctored up. It was from NPR's website, They're, the there picture they had on the website just about the uh, speech last night, and I hadn't started zooming in on it, and I mean, I hate to tell you. Now, we, was that picture from last night? Or that was picture was from last night. Well, it was there on Tuesday as well. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I hate to tell you, I've had parents and grandparents that I've witnessed what IV marks and multiple IV marks looks like on the hand. And I'm telling you, that's what it is. Yeah, if you're looking on uh, online or on Cable Seven, there, there you go. And there's a the blow up of the IV marks. And you're saying, well, well, so what? I mean, 
Well, the so what is the fact that the IV marks are there, and and while the speech didn't make a whole lot of sense and it was you know way off base, nonetheless, Joe did seem to be fairly coherent last night. He seemed speech. like he was awake, and I, and I made a point. <laughs> well, that's a pretty big deal for him. And, I mean, it was way past his bedtime. And I made the point to someone this morning. Um, think about it, that speech was at seven o'clock. When uh, you know, when have you known a president to make a speech? Yeah. At seven o'clock because That's four o'clock on the west coast. Four o'clock on the west coast. They're at work or they're commuting. Yeah. And uh, I mean, presidential addresses are almost always at That's nine. That's a great point. That always is a great at nine. point. That is a great point. Hey, let's uh, let's have a little fun. Let's play a little political trivia, shall we? Five six one eight two five five is the number to call. Our category today is marriage and politics. As I said earlier, uh, Benny hit it out of the park when I test drove this uh, question on him. So it might go quick. Give us a call, 561-8255. Political trivia when we get back. All right, welcome back in. Time for a little political trivia. i got a line or two open. Give us a call, 561-8255. Your category today, marriage and politics, okay? Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. Your prize package includes a gift certificate to the Iowa Golf and Country Club, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden, a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food down in the Westbrook Shopping Center. A gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. And a free oil change for your car. Pick up at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. First up from Winterville, we have Don on the line. Hey, Don. Hello, Don. Hey, hello. How you doing today? Uh, we're doing great. Hope you are. You ready to play? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad it's the first Thursday, because isn't this, the, isn't this the day you give a clue to start out with? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big statement. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't remember that Don, Don, are you a Democrat <laughs> yeah. for a handout? <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 don't be throwing stuff like that out. <laughs> All right, here you go. Here's your question. Don't overthink it, okay? All right. 54 years ago, Rudy Giuliani married his first wife, Regina Perugi. After 14 years of marital relations, they split. What was the primary reason given as to why they separated? Oh, mercy. Let's see. Uh, because he was a Republican? You know, that would split some people, but that was not the reason uh, in this case. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I just that, that 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 could be a, a cause for for divorce, but that wasn't the that wasn't the issue here. But uh, hey, thanks for playing, Don. Give us a call back five six one eight two five five. That opens up a line. Let's go to Ray. Hey, Ray. Hello, Ray. Hey, how are you guys? We're Good. doing great. Uh, Fifty. I, I was a late caller. Okay, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. You finish up. I, we're, we're, I was going to say I, I didn't hear the question. Well, I will ask it again. 54 right, years you. ago, Rudy Giuliani married his first wife, Regina Perugi. After 14 years of marital relations, they split. What was the primary reason given as to why they separated? Now, our first caller, Don, said because he was a Republican and she was something else. That is not it. 
What do you think? Irreconcilable differences. Well, there was something irreconcilable <laughs> in the answer, uh, but that wasn't have, it. Well, and something was that, Well, you only get one guess. You only get one well, guess. Well, that was it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Ray. 561-8255. That opens up a line. Give us a call. 561-8255. Why did they separate after 14 years of marriage? Uh, let's go to Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Uh, you ready for a hint? Do you need the question asked again? Uh, go ahead. All right. The question, 54 years ago, Rudy Giuliani married his first wife, Regina Perugi. After 14 years of marital relations, they split. What was the primary reason given as to why they separated? Hint number one. This is why you might want to discuss your marriage plans with your parents before asking someone to marry you. What do you think? Didn't like the in-laws. Didn't like the in-laws? Uh, that is another good guess, and that fits the uh, hint, uh, but that's not it. Thanks, Charlie. Free, appreciate thanks, it. Give us a call back. 561-8255. <laughs> no, it wasn't the in-laws. Uh, but, uh, okay, Don is back. <laughs> what do you think, Don? Did you, did you Google Don? T- take another no, but, no, no, but your clue just gave it to me, I think. Okay. What do you think? Were they kin? Yeah, were they I, yes, they were. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, they were cousins, second cousins. But oh, you got to be kidding me! You have got to be kidding me! Took, took, took a long time to find out. Fourteen years. How do you miss that? <laughs> now, I, granted, they're they're Italian, right? What? And the, yeah, yeah, he got it. Don got it. Well, just I mean, four, you say fourteen years of marriage. Fourteen years of marital marriage. relations. So maybe the relations were pretty good. I, well, wait a minute, I, I'm sorry. Now Italian families are big, and New York they're probably really big. But can you get lost in that many cousins? Can I mean, really? Yeah, that is not real good. But congratulations, Don. Where are you calling from? Winterville, right? Winterville. Yeah. yeah. All right, Don. Hang on the line and. Uh, Mr. Clark is going to get all your information, and we'll get you those uh, gift certificates. Thanks, everybody, for playing, and uh, Benny and I will be right back. Let's go, Brandon! Let's go, Brandon! When we're not covering Brandon's heroics... This, uh, Brandon, she... What does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um... Let's hear it for Brandon. What a j- Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure whether Clark did that on purpose or not. He, he is he is pleading innocence that, not, that it was a, a technical error. It ended on a sour note. Yeah, it ended on a... Okay. Congratulations to Don Arnold of Winterville, North Carolina. He got it right. Uh, Rudy and his first wife, Regina, split... After they found out they were second cousins. You uh, talk to your parents, talk to your grandparents, and... Uh, mm. You would think is, uh, you know, Italian families, you they're know, big. Big. they're, they're big. big and, and yeah. they do a lot of things together tra- traditionally, especially right. that, yeah, gen- big that, gen- reunions that and, generation. Yeah. You think they would have found that out? Yeah, uh, you think? Inconceivable. Yeah. 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 Unless it was, you know, discovered later on by, you know, someone had a child out of wedlock or something. You know, who knows? Uh, remember Ray Guy? Oh, yeah. Punter for the Jets or Giants? No, even for the Raiders. 
He went right, to uh, Southern okay. Miss and yeah. uh, passed away today, 72 years old. Yeah, he's a young guy. I remember he went to Southern Miss. Uh, he sounded younger all the time to me. Uh, yeah, he went to Southern Miss, and uh, he was the first – I think he's the only punter in NFL history that was the first-round draft pick from uh, the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? He uh, he was he was the man. It seemed um, like he played forever, too. Uh, uh, how many years? Uh, 14 seasons with the Raiders. He pinned opponents inside their 20-yard line 210 times during his career. Wow. A mm. uh, guy was named to the NFL's All-Star 1970s team, the NFL 75th anniversary and 100th anniversary all-time teams, and has an award named after him given to the NCAA Best Punter. Uh, did you say what his cause of death was? It didn't. Well, that's, just, yeah, that's a pretty yeah, young guy. Yeah, 72. I don't know if that's going to come out later, but uh, yeah, just, just uh, announced today that uh, he passed away. So, Town Hall um, came out and uh, reported on a new CNN release poll. Again, I I stress CNN because when CNN begins to throw in the towel, um, you know that uh, it's all but over for the Democrats. Uh, CNN's write-up, CNN poll, Republicans backed by enthusiasm and economic concerns, hold a narrow lead going to next week's election. Um, so they, they, the poll covered likely voters as well as registered voters. They're leading with registered voters, 47 to 46%. Amongst likely voters, they're leading 51 to 47%. Mm. Now you say, oh, that's four percentage <clears throat> points. Is that, is that close? F- that, that number in a presidential election would be considered a landslide. Mm-hmm. When they when they add up uh, the, the the bottom numbers the the final numbers, um, that is those numbers are flipped from just uh, two months ago, when uh, Democrats had a fifty percent support of likely voters compared to forty seven for uh, Democrats. Biden's own numbers aren't looking good either. Uh, support forty two percent down from forty six percent in the earlier poll this fall from uh, CNN. Uh, they highlighted that number as one of the five very scary numbers for Democrats. A majority of likely and registered voters at 51% each say the economy and inflation is the most important issue when deciding their vote. The very distant second of abortion is at 15%. So, uh, and this is what they have hung their their hat on is is the abortion issue. And as you said earlier in the program, you know they they can't hang their hat on on the economy because they're the ones that destroyed the economy. Fifty one percent is the number of likely voters who say the economy is the key issue in their vote. Fifteen percent say abortion. Sixty one percent is the number of likely voters who say that Biden hasn't paid enough attention to the most important problems facing the country. Twenty eight percent is how many likely voters say things are going very or fairly well in the country. More than 7 in 10, 72% say things are going pretty or very badly. This suggests that an electorate uh, hungry for a course correction, which uh, given the Democrats control the White House, the House, and the Senate, is uh, good news for Republicans. Uh, While House Chief of Staff Ron Klain claimed uh, in a Thursday morning interview with MSNBC that inflation is the number one problem right now and is the problem we're focused on. Biden's speech from just last night would beg to differ. 
It's also worth reminding everyone, last month Biden gave an address where he made clear abortion and supposedly codifying Roe v. Wade was his priority for the next Congress. Uh, That's not going well at all with uh, voters. Klain seemed to uh, signal that Biden's speech on the threats to democracy was the priority, as he said in the interview, that, uh, that the Wednesday night speech was one final warning. Why would you frame it that way? One, I mean, this is, this is the day after that this was his one final warning. Warning. I mean, that is just a uh, – that, 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 those are the words you use to describe a dictator or a despot mm-hmm. over, over, his, <clears throat> over the people he is uh, supposedly <laughs> taking care of. A Thursday morning memo by Niall uh, Stanage – for the Hill referenced the CNN poll as well as others in highlighting how Biden's plea for democracy struggles to get traction. As Stanage wrote, yet from electoral standpoint, Biden's argument looks likely to get lost in the crosswinds of economic distress and political polarization. And even for many Americans who believe democracy is in real peril, anxiety about inflation and the economy can feel more urgent. The point was made starkly in a New York Times um, Cinea College poll last month. It found that 71% of registered voters believed that democracy is under threat, but just 7% believed this was the most important issue facing the nation, whereas 26% chose the economy, an additional 19% named inflation. You know, again, as I said earlier in the program, uh, you know what? Uh, I I wouldn't use democracy as the term to uh, describe our nation. Uh, You know, I call it a republic before I call it a democracy. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm concerned that our rule of government for the last 200 years is uh, in jeopardy. Yeah. You know, the big question is coming up, will we know this time next week really the results (laughs) of the Tuesday election? Well, hopefully the more localized uh, the election results are, the quicker we'll get them. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody.